and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we're recapping uh, the All Blacks thrashing of Tonga 102-0 at Mount Smart Stadium on the weekend. This podcast will probably be pretty short and sharp because I don't think there's really a lot you can take from what was a, a pretty monumental mismatch. But yeah, I'll throw the mic to you first as always and get your thoughts on what you liked, maybe what you didn't like, what you would have liked to have seen more of and yeah, just anything you want to throw out there really. Yeah, I was happy with the performance and the fact that they just, you know, like they went right to the end, you know, so basically took them right to the last minute to sort of get to their hundred. So you could sort of see they were really, really driven to put in a a good performance. Yeah, it was a obviously a very average opposition, but I just thought um, the skill level was quite high and you know just the crispness and all the passing and and the offloading and the backing up and stuff like that i i was quite impressed by it to be honest yeah um it was like what the tongan c team but you can only play what's in front of you but what i wanted out of the, their performance i actually think they delivered what do you think again like i i with them playing you know to use your term, the Tongan C team, I wasn't expecting much from, you know, from their end. But like you said, I think the fact that the All Blacks, I mean, it's one thing to make breaks, you know, like I, I thought the Tongans were going to slip off tackles and that was evident from the get-go. But then to actually execute your skill set, you know, the draw and passing, playing flat at the line and getting those passes away. And even in the forwards, I thought that, you know, the likes of Dalton Papali'i and Luke Jacobson looked really good um, in terms of like linking with their play and all that. And, yeah, of course, like the headlines are going to be about, you know, the likes of Will Jordan popping up at the right place at the right time. And even young Quintu Paya, who we sort of ran down to begin last week's podcast, you know, albeit against Tonga, you know, he, he stuck his hand up, he carried well, didn't make any boneheaded decisions. And like we said, the, the Tongans weren't ever going to really offer much on attack with, um, you know, how, how the All Blacks were probably going to look to start them in the ball. And yeah, I, th- I thought it was, yeah, like you said, a great all-around performance, but yeah, there's, there's only so much you can take from a game where you put 100 points on the opposition. I think what I probably would have liked to have seen from the Tongans out of anything was probably chasing back even when the All Blacks did make those tries and, you know, inevitably they were going to score the try that they maybe kept them away from the post because the amount of times that Will Jordan and stuff just ran around un- underneath the sticks it just made it that much easier for Moanga to kick the goals and maybe then they wouldn't have got, you know, the ton. Yeah, I think that I think I'll tell you what the thing that's really surprised me, and then this is sort of a bit of a, a random thought. But one thing I've noticed, probably, and this is probably going back like a, a good twenty years, is that, and there's probably a lot to do with the professional game, but there's that intimidation factor that the the Pacific Island teams used to bring with them, you know, like the Samoans and the Tongans, you know, with their big hits. There used to be that intimidation factor, but it seems to have disappeared. And yes, I know there's a lot more Pacific Islanders playing for the All Blacks and, and so forth, but I don't know, is that something you noticed? Like there's just seemed to be no 
And I, I know the All Blacks were just basically playing at such speed and just moving the, at the ball at such pace. But it was quite noticeable to me that there was no... I don't remember seeing any big hits from the Tongans at all. I think you've probably partly put that down to the fact that they were fielding 13 new caps. So that's guys who had never played an international game. You know, I think they mentioned the fact that a lot of these boys, uh, or men, sorry, some of them were club rugby players or hadn't really played at a level anywhere close to super rugby. So I think that would have probably gone into it in terms of the nerves. And I think, yeah, you could probably put it down to, you know, there's a lot more island boys playing both, you know, the likes of Australia and New Zealand and even over in Europe and, and that much. But I think you only have to think back to maybe the 2015 game that the Samoans had against the All Blacks in the lead up to the World Cup that year where you could, you know, I thought that, I mean, the All Blacks were always going to win that game, but I thought it was relatively close. And, yeah, like you mentioned, or like we mentioned right at the start of the podcast, when you when you have your C team out there, I think, I think you know, had you had your top line players who probably didn't have... I guess that intimidation factor from the All Blacks or All Black caliber players because, you know, they're playing against them week in, week out over in Europe and whatnot that, you know, that probably would have taken maybe 20, 30 points off the scoreline, you know, perhaps even 50. But, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm obviously not as old um, as you are with you being my dad to remember back to the oh, pre-1996, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think, I just remember back in the 90s and that... Um... Obviously, you know, you weren't born until 97. Um, there was always that factor about it that you knew when you played the island teams, you knew you are going to come off the field sore, you know, stuff like that, because there was just a physicality they brought to the game. And I just, and maybe it is maybe it is professionalism that it just sort of seems to have, um, I wouldn't say disappear completely, but it's just not as prominent as it used to be. I, I know it just used to be the thing that was just it just doesn't seem to be something that's talked about as much now. I don't know. It just well, it's just something I noticed, and yeah, yeah, it was the C team. But I was uh, in the throne as well that you know you, you highlighted the fact that the All Blacks were playing with a lot of width. So I think if you go away from the crash and bash, which gives you know teams like the Tongans and the other Pacifica teams opportunities to yep. you know get direct and you know. When, well, when big boys look into T-bone, that's when you probably get the big hits. But I think when you're when you're playing wide and not given the opportunity to be as confrontational or not, you know, buying into the confrontation, then yeah, maybe that takes away. Yeah, I think it was, was, uh, yeah, that. no, I think you're correct. And it was, um, it was obviously uh, predetermined how they were going to go about it. Mm. And um, and to be honest, if I'm going to, I'm going to be honest here. For some reason, I don't know. I got the time. I got the time wrong. So I, I missed about the first first twenty minutes of the game. So it was actually good to sort of get the highlights at a half time. You know, about the first twenty I missed because I remember just putting it on. All of a sudden, it's like thirty eight nil. Yeah. I'm like, what? So, um, but it, it continued. That was that was the main thing. It was like it just sort of continued, which was, um, yeah, 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 quite impressive. I think you, I mean, I did have to feel for the Tongans the fact that they conceded the the hundredth point or the last try right on full time. And there's just something about, you know, having that donut next to the score. I think, you know, had it been 102 yep. 5, it yep. sort of takes a bit of that away. Or even if it had been yeah. 97 0. Yeah. You know, I think the fact that they got to 100 and the Tongans didn't manage to get across the board, it just made yeah. that, it just made it stand out a lot more. But I don't know. It, it, used, it used to be a bit of an unwritten rule. That 
you know, it was up to the discretion. It's probably changed because like the the control of the, the of the clock isn't um, in the hands of the almost like a mercy ref rule anymore. by the refs, right? Well, yeah. it, it used to be a, a mercy rule by the refs, so it's just like they wouldn't let it get to three figures. But I guess now with the professional game and you know, and it's not up to the ref anymore. You know, they got the the official clock and stuff like that. It was just like, oh well, yeah. So yeah, well, it was it was a bit of a pity, but yeah, I mean. Still a train, and, and I don't think anyone really did. Anyone get injured in the game? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think the Suffolk got um, concussed oh, he, well. oh, yeah, he it's come, it's come yeah. out, it's come out today because they've had the Simasoni Tokiaho, the, the young chief soccer, he's been called into the All Blacks to provide cover yeah. there. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah, how do you yeah, feel yeah. about that? You know, I, I've talked to or well, I've talked about it in the past amongst my buddies the fact that someone like Ash Dixon, you know, although he is um, long in the tooth compared to some of his contemporaries. You know, you want to see a guy like that given an opportunity to put the All Black jersey on, even just the once, especially like, you know, over the next two weeks, if they are going to look to rest Cody Taylor or only give him the one go, you know, because he's probably not going to be around in New Zealand for, you know, maybe longer than the next two years. You know, I, I thought it'd be a just reward for someone like him, even though he's probably invested in the Māori camp and has, you know, all of his attention on that. I don't know. I, th- I thought it would have been. I, I get why the All Blacks have brought in a younger guy in terms of the whole investment thing, but I feel like for someone like him who's paid his dues and has been excellent, you know, he's he was arguably the best player in New Zealand last year. But yeah, he's never going to get the opportunity to don a black jersey just because you know his form's come too late. Yeah, that I'll I, I tell you what. Back in the day, like it, I mean, it, it has changed. God, I'm sounding I'm sounding nostalgic now, but. It wasn't unusual for guys, you know, especially like front rowers and that hitting their peak in their late 20s, early 30s. I mean, you know, it's just like, but for whatever reason, obviously they, they just even, what's he like about 32 now? So he could still be playing in 2023, in hmm. theory. So he could be a late bloomer. So I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't. And if anything, he would probably be the sort of guy who's been there, done that. Um, I think he would be like, and this, I'm not trying to sound patronising or condescending, but I reckon he'd be a great team player and, and a great tourist and stuff like that. You know, when you sort of need that, those sort of guys, like he'd probably be the sort of guy to be happy just to hold the tackle bags for probably like a whole month and maybe get a couple of, you know, a couple of minutes, you know, of a few tests and stuff like that. Cause he's the sort of guy that would be ideal, I reckon. I think you just appreciate that opportunity for what it is, right? Exactly. You know, it's just like you can imagine he would just, yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't even think about Ash Dixon, but obviously they're looking to invest him. But it's just like, I mean, I guess the fact that you've got two older guys to start with in Dane Coles and Cody Taylor, and only one young guy in the Suffolk, maybe they just think, or well, maybe another young guy coming through. I don't know, but um, you make a good point, to be honest. It's like, I didn't even think about Ash Dixon. Yeah, well, I just like to see those sorts of guys rewarded for you know, their contribution to the game here. You know, he could have easily buggered off a long time ago, but he's you know, trucked yeah. away and you know, you see all the awesome work he's done with the Highlanders alongside, you know, the likes of Ben Smith and Aaron Smith. Um, but moving on though, so we've got the Fijian test coming up this week and is, are there any combinations you'd like to see shake up, you know? Do they put Bodie uh, in at 10 this week or do they save it for the last test? Any other personal changes? I, I, th- I, th- I think what would be interesting is, is like there was a report that uh, Dolson Papali'i is not going to be fit. 
um, they think maybe even severe, it might be 50 50 or whatever. But I actually like the thought or the sound of uh, giving Ethan Blackadder a start. I like him. I just think he's just that old school. He just reminds me of his old man. I think he's just that old school. And like, you know, even the last few years when he was sort of first got on the scene, and unfortunately had a lot of injuries, I just saw something about this guy. And I just think he's, I think he's, he's a, um underrated player because he's not the flash in the pan that he's just very, very old school, but I just think he's, He's very, very effective. So he's one guy I wouldn't mind sinking the starts. What's going to be really interesting, I think, I think the Barrett's Moonga thing is just going to be a straight two-horse race. And the interesting one now, and that was also on, on stuff today, was um, McKinney. I actually, yeah, I, I think he's, I think on form, you'd probably, and I'm even talking throughout super rugby i mean before, before he got uh suspended but on form you would probably have to pick him ahead of geordie i reckon that's just my take on it because he was really impressive on saturday unbelievably impressive i mean yes it was still you know a very average opposition but no nah, he's he's been on fire to be honest yeah and i guess you've, you've got the next two tests and again like on I'm hoping that the Fijians put up a better front than what the Tongans did, you know, no disrespect there. Cause I understand, you know, the, the way in which that team had to come together with not having their best players available and having to call on guys that were actually able to get into New Zealand and whatever else. Yeah. And, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to see Bowden have a go at 10 this week. Um, they might, they might change, uh, they might change it all up. But then yeah. what they could do, there's like, they probably gave, the guys last week a run and then maybe the other half a run today and then maybe roll out the A team for the last test. So well, give everyone... no, Ian Foster has said, or from what I've read online from Mark Hinton, he's actually not going to roll out his best team until that first Blitzer Cup game. In terms oh, really? of like putting putting a fifteen, yeah, out in the paddock that he would be happy to throw against a tier one opposition. Yeah. So yeah, it is going to be interesting over the next two weeks. So he's basically going three weeks of trials, is he? From what I've read, yeah, that's that's what he's oh, okay. um, well, that's oh, what's well. been reported. So, but yeah, hopefully Havili comes back. You know, obviously when Tupai was named to start last week, I'm like, why the heck is he getting the start? And then it came out that he took a bit of a knock at training. So, if he's, I think, fit, I think, I think the team we picked though, I think we got it quite wrong, didn't we? Wrong. We, we oh, the... and yeah, yeah. Well, we both picked like Geordie at fullback, and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I didn't exactly. see the yeah. Well, they didn't roll out Aaron Smith. They they gave Brad Weber. Yeah. So I thought I thought he was quite impressive as well. Although you know it's yeah. very easy to look good in front of a pack that's dominating the way the All Blacks did. But um, both him and Christie seemed to pass the ball pretty well. Well, he got three tries. So it's just like mm. so. This is a, when you get when you get a guy that gets five tries, you sort of seem to overlook the guy, another guy who got three tries. But I I mean, yeah, he had the ball on the platter, but one thing that I found quite impressive was his, actually his clearing of the ball. His clearing of the ball was really crisp. If anything, I think it's improved. Um, no, no, I've been really, I was really impressed with him. Um, yeah, I just, I just think, and again, it's going to be different opposition, but I don't think, you know, just say, for example, if, um, if Peronata got injured, it wouldn't worry me too much. 
I'd be worried if Smith got injured. But I, I, I just think we wouldn't lose much because if you think about Brad Weber, he plays a very similar game to Aaron Smith. If anything, he's got a better running game than Aaron Smith because he's a bit quicker. But obviously, Aaron Smith's forte is is clearing of the ball. But they're actually two very similar players. So, yeah. Yeah, I've never understood the argument that people raise in terms of with having Smith and Pettinata and that, you know, Pettinara offers something different. But for me, I've always felt like the way that the All Blacks play, which is dictated a lot by the work that Aaron Smith does, why would you want to bring a guy on that, even though he's a bit bigger and is a bit more confrontational, the All Blacks don't play that style of game usually, especially no. in the last 20 minutes. You'd think that they'd look to spread the ball and run teams off their feet. So I, I've always felt that, you know, especially when Brad Weber came on the way that he did, that he seemed like the the better person to have on the bench. But, you know, there are people out there who, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, Perinara hasn't played well at that level, but I feel like in, in bigger games that you'd want to have Aaron Smith on for the full 80. And if he can't, then you bring on the closest thing you can to Aaron Smith. I think, I, yeah, and I, th- I think part of the problem is, is that as good as Perinari is, he, his style of play, I don't necessarily think fits the All Black game. He's almost, he's, South, he's more South African-like. Yeah, oh, very much so. And and, that, and that's, so that, that's what I mean. So if you look at the style that he plays, I mean, you watch, and, and I think you and I have had this conversation, but um, you just notice the change in just how the backline operates when Smith goes off. You know, it's just, I mean, it'll go down regardless, but that's not Perinata's forte. His is a running game. So Perinata would be ideal to bring on, like, for example, just say if if the forwards were getting knocked around and, you know, like there, there have been times like during the last 10 years where the All Blacks' quick game has struggled. And then what that does is it nullifies Aaron Smith. So in a funny sort of way, that's when it's better to have someone like Perinato who's a bit more confrontational and bigger and can take those sort of knocks. That's ideal for him. But if you watch the way the All Blacks normally play, it is a speed game. So if anything, it slows down when Perinato comes on because that's not his forte. His forte is being confrontational and running and actually not getting quick ball out, you know, to get outsides and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I guess I guess a lot of it's just the, for a long, long time, he was the second best halfback in the country. And so over that, you know, probably a good five or six year period, he's just been the backup to Smith and he's sort of clocked up, what's he done, like about 60, 70 caps? Yeah, he's got a lot of experience, which you probably can't take for granted but, either. But, but yeah. But, but most of those caps are off the bench. So I don't know, maybe he might have had maybe a dozen starts of that. So do do we lose anything by not picking him? I don't know. So it's like all this all these years, all these caps have invested in him. Is it like, well, you know, it would be silly to just discard him now after all this time? Or yeah, that that's the question. I think that's the you know, only the Selectors can answer. I don't know. Well, the rugby union resigned him for this year and the next, or up until the the World Cup. 
So they obviously think he is of some value. But yeah, why don't we end it there? I know that me and you could go back and forth on this topic yeah. endlessly. So yeah, thank you very much again, Dad, for what was a lot shorter than some of the conversations we've had in the past on the podcast. And yeah, I'll probably look to get you on when the All Blacks go up against some tougher opposition. Again, no offense to the Tongans. All good, brother. Hate the white.